The first reading is printed on the back of your bulletin, or you can follow along in your pew Bibles on page 790. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the works that he had done in creation. Word of God, word of life. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 15th chapter. Again, you can follow along in your bulletins, or the reading begins on page 850 in your pew Bibles. Then Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property on dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and fill it, excuse me, and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now the elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you. And I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never even gave me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back who had devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father 
and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. How great it is to return to you this morning uh, after a long weekend, last weekend, at Synod Assembly. Synod Assembly was a, a beautiful time of worshiping, of, of studying scripture together, of hearing about the work of the broader church, of deliberating together as a synod, just enjoying fellowship and prayer with more than 500 other faithful Lutherans in the Northwestern Minnesota Synod. And did I mention we elected a new bishop, Pastor Bill Tesh, Director of Evangelical Mission and Associate Bishop of the South Dakota Synod, was elected on the fifth ballot. And he will begin his call as Bishop of our Synod on September 1st of this year. So please keep Bishop-elect Bill Tesh in your prayers. But as I, as I was preparing for this first Sunday in our series on Sabbath, it was another Synod Assembly that came to my mind. It was about a decade ago. I was serving in Browerville in those days, but still part of this Synod, the Northwestern Minnesota Synod. And that year we were deliberating on several resolutions that were rather controversial. But we took time to listen carefully and prayerfully and fully to one another. Um, but that wasn't, of course, the only thing we were doing that weekend. It was part of our work, but not the only thing that was part of our work. There were other things to do as a synod, and so sometimes deliberating on those resolutions would be tabled for a time, and we would pick up the work at the following plenary session. So finally, it was the last day of synod assembly. We still had some work to do on a couple of resolutions, but we begin our day just as we had all agreed to begin our day when we approved the agenda for the weekend. We begin with worship. And it was great worship. It was, it was filled with great music and inspiring prayer, refreshing attention to God's word. We shared the body and blood of Christ together around Christ's table. And it was a truly beautiful way to begin the day. And yet, when that worship was over, one of the delegates came to one of the mics and said, he was all for worship, but we had work to do. And he told a story about how on his farm, they get their work done first, then they do the extra things. And he wondered how we might finally get to work today. In fact, he said, I make a motion that we get to work already. <laughs> Bishop Wongberg, well, his comments and questioned carefully and finally said, well, two things. First, from my perspective, we've been doing the work of God's people from the moment we got here today. Second, it sounds like what you're really saying is you'd like to move more quickly to the deliberative part of our assembly. And would you like to hear the truth about how to make that happen more quickly? The bishop said with a, a little grin. And then the man answered his own question. Uh, sit down and shut up. <laughs> I was going to say it a little more kindly than that, said Bishop Wongberg, but that'll work, and we all had a, a good laugh together. But the whole conversation, right, it reflects our dis-ease with this idea of Sabbath. Martin Luther explains the commandment on Sabbath by saying that our fear and love of God should compel us to not neglect God's word, or the teaching of it, but rather hear it and love it and obey it. 
But how often when there's work to do, especially work we feel must be done, or work that we dread, or work that makes us worry if there will possibly be time to complete it, it eats at us. It, it compels us to work, even if we have to trade sleep or, or time with our loved ones or worship in order to complete. I can rest when I'm dead, we say, half joking, right? But it is, isn't it amazing how quickly we forget that Sabbath, a weekly rest from our labor to attend to our need for renewal and worship, how often we forget that Sabbath is in fact one of the Ten Commandments, right? In fact, it's the Third Commandment. Before God forbids murder and adultery and stealing and lying, commandments I think we'd all agree are non-negotiable, Huh? God tells us, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. But for some reason, we're kind of ambivalent about Sabbath. And keep in mind, I'm saying this as a preacher who often works on Saturday, <laughs> finishing sermons like this one. <laughs> I'm as terrible as anyone else. In fact, I sometimes, true confession, I wear my busyness as a badge of honor. I like to tell people that I'm like a sled dog happiest when I'm working. So, preacher, and anyone else who would like to listen in on this conversation with myself, let's talk about Sabbath today. Let's talk about resting in God's love and God's word. And let's begin by, by remembering this. When God first spoke that command, when God first gave these commandments to his people, including this command about Sabbath, it was a gift to people who had just been brought out of slavery. For 400 years, right, the identity of God's people was this. They were merely cheap labor. How much could they accomplish for Pharaoh and his kingdom? For 400 years, that's who they were. But God brought them out of that slavery, out of that identity, and with his commandment was giving them a gift. Once a week, they could rest from their labors. They could even rest from the gathering of food, and God would still provide for them. It was a gift. And God gives that same gift to us week after week. Rest securely in your identity, he says, rooted not in your work, not in your ability to be productive, but in God. And yet, because we wrap so much of our identity up in our work, in our ability to accomplish, right, we're far too willing to set that commandment aside. Not just for ourselves, but for our neighbors as well. All in the name of productivity. And so that's the way I want us to hear this familiar parable of the so-called prodigal son today. Maybe we'll find it's actually a parable of the prodigal father who gives more abundantly than we could ever deserve. Maybe even wastefully, right? But I want to view this parable through the lens of Sabbath. I want to view it through the lens of a tension between an identity caught up in productivity versus an identity that's caught up in God. Caught up in relationship. Recall the story then. A son wishing to explore Something new in life. A life apart from his father asks for his share of the inheritance up front. Huh? He basically says to his father, Hey, Dad, 
This is a beautiful Father's Day text, by the way. Hey, Dad, <laughs> let's, let's pretend that you're dead already. Hmm? And give me what will be mine on that day. And when the father agrees, suddenly now the son has a new identity. Right? He's no longer the boy who works with his dad on the farm. He's the young man, flush with cash, ready for new adventure. And the young man takes the money. He leaves the daily work of the farm behind. He goes off to find something new. Liberated now from work. Right? He overindulges in rest every day of the week until everything from his father is gone. So he goes to work for a pig farmer, which is quite the challenge for this Jewish boy, right, to hang around with pigs every day. And he wonders, who am I now? Who am I now? And when he comes to his senses there in the field with the pigs, he realizes that in his father's household, even the lowest of the hired help lives better than he's living right now. Now, the text doesn't say so, but I wonder if this has something to do with his father's obedience to that command for Sabbath. Not just for himself and for his family, but for the whole household, even the hired hands. At any rate, the son decides to go home and beg to be merely a hired hand. And yet, before he can even get all the way back onto the property, his father runs to meet him. And it greets him with a father's kiss, a robe, a ring, and declares a celebration. He is restored in his identity as his father's son. You see, it was, it was never his work that defined him. Even when all that work was squandered and gone, he remained a child of his father. But there is one more part in the story, the older brother. When this son is restored to the family, it unnerves him the older brother, right? Shouldn't that son have been put to work in the fields to prove his worth once again as a son? A party? Right away? That's not right. Because, you see, if this worthless brother returns and is immediately given a party, what then becomes of his identity as the oldest son? Listen to the words of, that he speaks to his father. For all these years I have been working like a slave for you. You hear that? Working like a slave? All these years, that's how he's understood his work? His relationship with his father? A slave? And yet, this father comes out to his son, he gently corrects him, reminding him that all he has belongs to his son. Reminding him as well that once again he now has a brother. And he begs him now, come into this time of rest. Come into this time of rejoicing. Come into this time of Sabbath. Two sons, right? Both impaired in their understanding of work and rest. Both impaired in their identity as well. One thinking that his identity will be better served by abandoning the work of his father altogether. The other convinced that his true identity was found in being enslaved to his work. And beautifully, both pursued by a loving father who wanted both of his sons to find their true identity in simply being his son, being part of the household. 
Now, I don't know where you will find yourself in that story today, but I pray that the Holy Spirit would help you find yourself in there somewhere. One who needs to embrace the work of life a little more. One who needs to embrace Sabbath a little more. One who needs to value the work of others. Or one who needs to value the Sabbath of others. Maybe one who needs to know that above it all, you are a beloved child of God. Wherever you find yourself in that story, remember this. When we work, whatever work we have been called to, we are doing the work of God as children of God. And when we rest, we are being obedient to God's command as well, secure in our identity as God's beloved children. As this series continues in the coming weeks, God's Word will call us again and again to this rhythm of work and rest. Sometimes it might even call us to the rhythm of resting first and then work. But again and again, God's Word will call us to this practice of placing our work on hold, claiming our identity in God's extravagant love. Time and time again, God's Word will call us to this practice of rest in order that we might remember that God is God and that we aren't. To remember that God is in control of the universe, not us. To remember that in both work and rest, we are God's people. That in Christ, we are slaves no more. And the God who provides our work, our rest, our identity, for us and for our neighbors is not a God of scarcity, but a God of abundance. There is enough work, enough rest, enough love for all. Thanks be to God. Amen.